Well, hello, everybody, and welcome again to Shine. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, if you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're a part of this this weekend. Uh, as you prob- as you may know, you may not know if this is your first time, and welcome if it is, uh, but if you've been around, you know that we're in a series, kind of a theme for the year, called Come With Me. And we just believe that the Lord is inviting us to walk with him in, in relationship, to uproot uh, some of the, the, the habits, the comfort zone kind of things that we've settled in and, and really be willing to like, okay, where do you want to go? Let's, let's do this. Let's go places together. You know, kind of like, was there like a Visa commercial that was like, where shall we go today or something? No, I think I'm totally butchering that. American, I don't know. Anyway, that's the problem with, you know. My brain. Anyway, uh, but so we are continuing that, but this weekend we're kind of pivoting a little bit and and adding to that or or coming in that same theme of come with me, the idea of transformed. God wants us not just to uproot, not just to leave things behind, but he is committed and calling us to be transformed. Would you agree with that? So we're going to spend a few weeks uh, looking into what that is like and, and how that happens in our lives. So I'm super honored to be able to, to kind of be the first person to share with you uh, on, on this particular topic. Um, I wanted to start off with a, how many of you guys have vanity plates on your cars? Anybody? Wow. One, two, three. Okay, not bad, not bad. Uh, I can't think of anything creative enough. Um, but I have seen uh, this, whether on a vanity plate or on a bumper sticker, I've seen, if you can pull that up, uh, Braden, I've seen this right here. Have you guys seen this? Can you read that? Chris, what does it say? Wow, I love the, the tone too. Christians aren't perfect. Just forget, okay. Okay, thank you, Stephen, for just... <laughs> you were hoping that, yeah, there would be others. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Christians are perfect. Just forgive it. Okay. Question. Uh, what do you love about that? Is there something that you love about that vanity plate? Or if you've seen it as a bumper sticker, anybody just yell it out. You don't have to grab a mic or wait for a mic, but just real quick in like, you know, 10 words or less. What do you love about it? It's true. We are forgiven, right? Anybody thankful to be forgiven? Woo, thank you, Jesus. That's where the gospel begins. Okay, what, somebody else, what do you love about it? If you love it. Yeah. What? We're not, we're not perfect, okay, yep, we're in process, good. It acknowledges that, what else? Takes the weight off, takes the pressure off, yep, okay. Ooh. The people that think we're supposed to be perfect, bam! Yeah. It's just like a little reminder. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're expecting us to be perfect. If they know we're Christians, we're like, hey, it's, it's a process, right, Rosie? Yep. Somebody else? Anybody? Okay, what, anybody have any problem with this? Is there anything about that that you don't love? Anybody? Oh, wow. The room is stumped. The room is silent. Hearts are racing. What's the answer? Okay, well, let, yes, Matt. Ooh, gives you permission to drive like a jerk. I like that, man. And I saw you driving over over I twenty five like this morning. That was him driving. You were in the you were in the passenger seat. Yes, Hannah. Okay, nobody's perfect. Not just Christians. Powerful truth there. Good. 
Anybody else have any? Oh, yes. Nickel. Oh, it doesn't tell who's forgiven us, which is a big deal. Where what? Where our forgiveness come from. Yep, love that. That's, so, that's obviously crucial to, to the whole idea of that we're forgiven. Any, any other? Yes, Stefan. Okay, what do you mean by that? Ooh, expletive. I, I like where this is. <laughs> you heard it first at Shine. <laughs> expletive. No, t- elaborate just for a little bit on that, Stefan. Where do you... We're thankfully forgiven. We're, oh, wow. Kind of like where you... I'm going to piggyback on what you're talking about right now. Can I share with you guys my problem with this vanity plate? My problem with this vanity plate is really the... the it's kind of what Stefan just mentioned. It's the word just. Because I think... We could say Christians are in process. We haven't reached the final destination. We all agree. And we can agree, praise God, that we're forgiven the gospel, the blood of Jesus. We celebrate a communion. Man, his body, his blood to bring redemption for us. But I wonder if just forgiven, if that's selling us a little bit short on what the gospel really is all about. And I believe that God wants us to understand that when he came and when Jesus lived a perfect life and ultimately went to Calvary and took my sins, which are many, and your sins on his shoulders, and when his tears and when his sweat in the Garden of Gethsemane was like drops of blood because he had never held, he had never even been around sin or known sin of any kind, and all of a sudden to be taking on the sins of every person who had ever lived and who would ever live. I believe that when he went to the cross and did that for us, that yes, he was purchasing our forgiveness, but that wasn't all. I believe there's another part of the cross, of the work of the cross, and that is that he purchased our redemption. He purchased our transformation. He purchased a new nature for us. And I believe that as we look to the the next few weeks, God wants to open our eyes and go, well, yes, Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm forgiven. I'm so thankful that when I fall, I have an advocate, that the blood of Jesus covered me. But man, God, I also want to know, what is this other aspect that you purchased? Open my eyes that it's not just forgiven, but I would contend it's forgiven and on a process to become like Jesus. Can we agree with that? Christians might not be perfect yet, but we're forgiven and we're on a journey to become more and more like Jesus every day. That, uh, let's take a look at Romans 12, 2 real quick. It says, uh, and I have it in the NLT version, this particular verse, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Think about that. All of the things, all the politics we hear, all of the social issues, all of the ways of seeing ourselves, our identity, our role in relationships, in family, in marriage, in whatever, you name it, in friendships, in our work life, in our creative lives, in every aspect. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, what? Say it again. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Would you agree that we're seeing here that God has a plan to transform us? Is it pretty clear in that? Don't copy the pattern. 
but be, it's a command, right? Be transformed, be changed. That word, you probably already know it, but that word in the Greek is metamorpho, something like that. And that uh, means meta. So by the way, if you're into like Facebook and all of that, meta, if you've wanted to know, talk, about, talk around the dinner table about this. Meta means to change after being with. Kind of cool, to change after being with. And morpho means to change form, probably what we get morph from, to change in form in keeping with an inner reality. So we are changing in our form, our outward form, what other people see about us, after having been with someone. Pretty cool. Does that remind you of another word to change something else after being with? Metamorphosis, and what is that? What example, what does that speak to you? Yes, that little silkworm that goes into cocoon and it completely changes from the inside out. Its nature is changed. It is transformed from within. Metamorphosis, absolutely. The word, interestingly here, the word repent, right? How many of you guys think that's kind of a heavy word? Repent. We think of somebody holding a cardboard sign on, you know, Times Square. Repent for the end is near. Or if you've seen movies, repent for the near is end. Or I don't know, I forget. Anyway. But that word repent is uh, metanoio, which means the same root word meta to change after being with and noio the way we think. So to change the way we think after being with. So God, I believe, is wanting us to understand, you know what, if you hang out with me, I'm gonna change the way you think. And as a result of changing the way you think, I'm gonna start changing stuff from the inside out. And you're gonna start looking different, you're gonna start thinking differently, you're gonna start feeling differently, you're gonna start acting differently. It's not all gonna happen at once, but you're gonna see some transformation happen. And you're gonna look like my son. Do you want that? Oh, yes, Lord, give us that. Okay, so I believe that God wants us to really focus uh, this weekend as we just, this is just beginning to think about transformation on the fact that God expects transformation and we should too. God expects transformation and we should too. Now, this is good news, guys. This is not like, oh no, I have to change? <laughs> I thought I was just waiting around for Jesus to come back and, you know, rapture. <laughs> right? There's my clothes. Ah, okay. No, we're not just sitting around waiting for the rapture. God has a plan to transform us, and he expects to see it, and he wants us to expect to see it. How do we know this? Reason number one, transformation is powered by God's word. Transformation is powered by the word of God. So look at Peter, for example. Would you agree, Peter's this guy, he's doing his thing, right? Uh, Todd mentioned it, the Sea of Galilee, such a beautiful place when you go there. When we went, my wife and I, years and years ago, I literally took a little walk in the hotel, and they had strolled a little cart of, like, with, um, uh, what do you call it? Man, I'm blanking up. Charcoal. They had a little cart that, like, these chefs with the white hats, and, everything, they had, and they had put fish on it. And they had left it right next to the Sea of Galilee, where I presumably, I guess they were going to come and get it when it was done and serve it on the buffet in the hotel. But as I'm walking around, like, Lord, I'm here near the Sea of Galilee where you walked with your disciples. And I'm like, there's fish being grilled. But I'm like, yes, Lord, speak for yourself. Because, you know, Jesus grilled fish. But this, anyway, read the New Testament, guys. It's super great. But it was just like this moment, right? Like, they're literally, after he rose, Jesus 
was grilling fish for the disciples and right there, like, and here's this cart with fish. Anyway, but here's the thing. When Peter was there on the Sea of Galilee, he had grown up there. He was doing his thing. He was in his business of, of fishing. And this rabbi walks by. I said, hey, psst, you. You talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. You know, maybe, I don't know. Galilee was the east coast of Israel. But he called him and he said, hey, Peter, come follow me. And what did he promise him? I will make you a fisher of men. Jesus' word and his invitation and his call, would you agree that that was the beginning of the transformation in Peter? Was that the hook that began to bring him into becoming a whole different person than he was? And it didn't happen all at once, did it? We're going to talk about that in a minute. But it was the beginning. I believe that in the same way, you've heard something. I don't know when in your story you heard the calling of Jesus. I'm not saying you heard it with your physical ears. Maybe you did, or maybe you did more likely, maybe. Just in your heart, you sensed, you sensed God drawing you. Hey, this stuff is real. Hey, this stuff in, in the Bible, it's true. Hey, my word, you can count on me. Hey, ask me, and I'll set you free from that problem that you don't think you can change. Hey, dare to believe that I can forgive you and I'll make you a new person, right? We, we've heard something about the word of God like Peter did. And I believe that that was the beginning and that everything else that happens in our transformation goes right back to the word of God. It's fueled and it's powered by the word of God. Listen to 1 Peter 1.23. For you have been born again. Who's Peter addressing this to? I know it doesn't say it right there, but take a guess. Like the disciples, those who have followed Jesus, right? He's writing these general epistles to all followers of Jesus all around the world. So does that apply to us? Yes. So listen to this and read it for yourself. You, you, Matt, Rosie, other Matt, other Rosanna. Wow, this is like, <laughs> I don't know how long I can keep that up. Uh, Josh, Josh, just pretend like a Josh. <laughs> you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. That means it cannot die, it cannot spoil. Through the living and enduring word of God. That word seed there, you've been born of the seed of God. That word seed there is spora or spora. And I believe it's the word that we get the word spore from. I am not a biologist. I don't know much about this, but a very rudimentary Wikipedia deep doctoral level study <laughs> says this. It is a reproductive cell capable of developing into a new individual without fusion with another reproductive cell. So oftentimes in, in plant uh, life and all that, you have to have a couple of different cells and they come together. In, in, in human reproduction, it's the same way, right? Where then you can have life. But spores aren't that way. They carry within a single cell the ability to spark life. Isn't that cool? So Peter is saying, you have in you, by the word of God, everything that's required to spark into life the transformation that God wants to bring about in you. Is there something that you're like, I'll never beat this. I'll never beat this habit. How does that scripture speak to that? What, what difference would it make to believe what Peter, by the Holy Spirit, wrote here that you have been born again, 
not by perishable seed, but by imperishable, by the living word of God. That has more life-giving power, more creative force in that seed than anything else in this world. Think about a promise that you're struggling to believe. Think about a sickness that you or someone you know is facing. Think about a struggle you're having in a relationship that you're thinking, I just, I just, I can't see it being mended. I can't, God, even for you, this is too big. Even, I, I just can't conceive how it would ever be healed. What difference would it make if we believed that God can transform anything by the power of the seed of his word? What about 1 John 3, verse 9? This is written by John. It says, anyone having been born of God does not practice sin, does not continue to willingly break God's law and God's will because his seed abides in him and he is not able to continue sinning because he has been born of God. Very, you just kind of see some similarities between what God moved John to write and what God moved Peter to write. And here's the interesting thing. Don't get all caught up. Another topic for another day is like, oh, wait, what does that mean? Oh, my gosh, if I did sin, am I still a believer? The grace of the Lord. In 1 John, it goes on to say, but if we do sin, we have an advocate. We have an attorney, a defense attorney who's standing before the Father, who's interceding for us, who's saying, God, Father, don't forget, I spilled my blood. I paid for that sin so that they can be forgiven. And the Father's like, yes, son. We came up with that plan together and it is my joy to, to offer forgiveness and to, and to take away the sin of my people. So don't get all caught up on that. But what I want us to realize, what I believe God is speaking to us today is that word of, hey, God's seed abides in us. And there's power in that. This word is a little different. It's not uh, spora. This word is sperma. I'm not gonna tell you what that means. You can do a study on it later but it has to do with another kind of seed that also has life and that carries DNA and it carries nature in it, right? It carries what kind of eyelids you're gonna have and what color of hair and how soon you're gonna have a bald spot. Thank God for hairspray. I'm a believer. I keep those people in business, but, right? Does, does our DNA, does that seed that brings those chromosomes, does that control the color of our skin, our fingernails, the shape of our toes, our eyes? I have these kind of droopy things, you know, that's just sort of, it's like an extra little, people sometimes can't even tell if my eyes are open. I'm like, but it kind of works in the sun, you know, it kind of is like extra sunglasses. But, but here's the thing, guys, the very thing that brings creative force and, and tells our molecules in our body how to shape and form in our mother's womb is the very same word that's used here to say we have been born, God's seed abides in us. Does that change the way we think about our expectation about transformation? You see, God's not worried about your weakness. God's not worried about, oh, do you have the willpower? I don't know. I don't know if you really have what it is. Do you really have the discipline in your life? God's not trusting in your ability or my ability when it comes to transformation. He expects transformation and he wants us to expect it because it rests in the power of his word. Do you agree with that? It's completely in that sperma and that spora 
that is the very same word that he said, let there be light, and there was light. It's the very same word that said, let there be a sun and moon and stars and planets, and the universe was filled trillions and trillions of light years of expanse. Instantly came to attention at the word of the creative God. And yet God elevates you and me to a place of being able to resist or being able to cooperate with his word. Isn't that amazing? Talk about dignity. Nothing else in all of the the universe can resist the word of God. But when God says, come follow me, we can say no, or let me think about it. When God says, hey, will you let me change you in this area? We can say, "Ah, I don't know if I believe that you can do that. But think about the dignity. Think about the love that God is giving you to say, I take you seriously. I'm not gonna barge, well, I'm not gonna, you know, bulldoze over you. But I care about your will as well. And I want you to, and me to be on the same page and you to say, yes, Father, be it done unto me according to your will, like Mary said. Or according, you know, be it come here as it is in heaven, so on earth. Some people believe it said in earth in that Lord's Prayer. In earth. What's made out of earth? We are. Start here in this little patch of dirt. And let it come in earth, in this earth, as it is in heaven. God's saying, I will wait for you to agree with me. If I, he, he let us push him out of this planet because of the sovereignty he gave us. But he came back in in Jesus, and he's in each one of us saying, hey, you can unlock that door and say, come in. Have lordship in my life. Come change me by your amazing power of your word. God expects transformation And he wants us to because it rests in his word. What about this? I believe he wants us to know he is neck deep in the process with us. (laughs) I love this. God is neck deep in the process of changing us to be like his son, Jesus. He's not like, hey, get it straightened out, Matt. Come back when, you know, whatever. He's like, dude, let me come right there with you and let's work on this together. Let's come side by side in relationship and day by day and moment by moment Let's, let's see that transforming work in your life where you begin to talk and sound and walk and love a little bit more like Jesus. It is a process, isn't it? I have good news and I have bad news. Bad news is it's a process. <laughs> Can you pull that meme up? Have you guys ever seen this meme? God's plan or, you know, your plan, my plan, God's plan. You guys seen this? I think you could probably substitute my expectations of transformation God's actual understanding of how it's going to go. <laughs> Would you agree with that? There's that little person, he's like, oh no, ah, fall down in the rocks. And they're like, oh, I had to do you know, a bit of a whatever, you know, suspended bridge. And then it's like, I thought it was good, but then it's like, ah, oh, there's water and flooding. Anyway, that's, you can leave that up there for a minute. That's really what it's like, isn't it? It's a process. Anybody feel like you're in that process? Anybody feel like you're kind of like at the bottom here trying to, <laughs> like, like, you don't look like Jesus very much sometimes? Like, maybe other people are like, that anger problem. I don't, I don't know that God's really alive in you. Has anybody said, ooh, that weakness that you're struggling with? If you had Jesus in your life, you wouldn't struggle with that. Has anybody accused you? Has anybody, has the devil tried to say, I don't think God is alive in you? You know what? It's a process. And God's neck deep in it with us. And the enemy tries to lie to us whenever we fall down in the rocks or whenever we 
find ourselves going way slower because there's a big lake that we weren't expecting or whenever we're under a storm and we don't know how to climb out of it. God's saying, I'm in it with you. You can expect transformation because I'm neck deep in it with you. Look at the example of Peter. Peter was called by Jesus. We talked about that, right? Was that a good day for Peter? I think so. He later walked on water. Was that a good day for Peter? You know, that is a very exclusive club of people that have walked. I think it's like two laminated cards. You know, it's Peter, Jesus, member number 001, member 002. That's it. Like two people that I know of in the history of the world that have walked on water. Peter was one. Pretty good day, right? Woo, thank you, God. You're a work in my life. You're transforming me. I knew the devil's a liar. Woo, hallelujah. Okay. Not shortly after, I'm sure, he's rebuked and called the Satan, adversary, accuser, by Jesus himself. Good day or bad day? Is he down here? Or <laughs> he wasn't on the water. He was like, he sucked down. Bad day for Peter. What about his name changed to Rock when, when Jesus in, in uh, uh, the Decapolis in uh, Caesarea Philippi, north, northeast Israel, he goes, Peter, you are a little pebble, but on this rock, on this Petros of the understanding that God has given you, nobody has revealed this to you. The Father's revealed it to you. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can you imagine being singled out by Jesus like, yeah, Stephen, you nailed it, man. And you're like, did you hear that, boys? You know? They didn't have iPhones. Like, can you say it one more time? Into their microphone. Was that a good day for Peter? Yes. What about when he denies Jesus three times? He's in fear, trembling. It says he ran and he wept bitterly. Have you ever wept bitterly over a failure in your transformation story where you thought you were stronger, but a temptation came around and you were like, you totally gave in? Or you lost your cool, or you betrayed someone that you loved. It's a process. It was a process in Peter's life. What about when he was restored and forgiven by Jesus? Up walking around that Sea of Galilee, and Peter asked, or Jesus asked him three times, Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you, and feed my sheep. Do you agape me? Yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. Do you love me with all of your heart unconditionally? Well, Lord, you know I like you as a friend. Three times, but God has given him that opportunity to restore the relationship, to say, feed my sheep. You know what? I trust you who just betrayed me like a month ago. I trust you to feed my sheep. Earlier in chapter 22 of Luke, he said, Peter, the enemy has come and asked to sift you like wheat, but take courage because I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Did his faith fail? I think so. I mean, I don't know how to interpret that, but I think it wasn't God's perfect will that he deny knowing Jesus, right, and call down curses. I don't think that was a victory. But Jesus said, pray for him that your faith may not fail. And then he says, when you've been restored, not, not if, but when you've been restored, go and strengthen your brothers. You see, Jesus never doubted what he was able to do in Peter's life. Even when Peter himself doubted it or when Peter thought it was all gonna be easy and Lord, I'll die with you. He didn't know what his own story of those ups and downs would be. 
God wants you to know that no matter when you're up or no matter when you're down, he's believing in you and he's praying for you and he already sees what's, what you're going to be like on the other side of it and how you're going to be able to strengthen your brothers and your sisters. Thank you, Lord. Be encouraged, guys. He's neck deep in it with us. Peter, I'll just summarize this, man. He uh, brought 3,000 people to salvation in one message, book of Acts, right? Was that a good day? He, uh, his shadow healed people. Pretty good day? Like literally like, oh, wow, I didn't even pray for you. Like, woohoo, I'm healed. <laughs> okay. Pretty good day. Then later on, he slides into racism. What? Peter? Yeah. When he was in Galatia, and, or I'm not sure where he was, but it's in Galatians 2, verse 11, where Paul says, yeah, he was here. We were there together. And before the Jews came, he was eating with all of the different people from different ethnic groups. And then when the Jews came, he like withdrew to a table and just ate with them. And Paul, the apostle Paul, called Peter out. He's like, hey, you're wrong. Don't do that. That's not honoring Jesus. And he literally called him out on it in public. Isn't that something? So even the apostle Peter, whose shadow had been healing people, had ups and downs. He had to repent. He had to get called out on himself. God is saying, you know what? Be like Peter. Keep, don't stop believing. Be like Stephen Perry. <laughs> no, I'm not going to sing it. Though I want to. He's, need, he's uh, neck deep in it with us. Listen to this. Hebrews 12.2 says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Jesus kickstarts our faith, our transformation, and he perfects it. That means he's with us in that process. Would you agree with that? Jesus is with you in your process. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Philippians 1, verses 4 through 6. In all my prayers for you, Apostle Paul uh, writing here, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Listen to this. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, has Jesus begun a good work in you? Has it been a process? Have you failed at times? Have there been ups and downs? Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's neck deep in it with us. That's why he expects transformation. That's why he wants us to, because it's resting on his power. It's fueled and powered by his word. He's neck deep in it with us. He's saying, I will bring it to completion. I'm not worried about you. Just keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on the author and perfecter of, of your faith. What about this? Last one real quick here. I know it's uh, getting late. I believe the third reason that God wants us to be confident in transformation is because he planted us in a family. We're not in this alone. Look around. Look around real quick. Rubbernecks. This is part of your family. It might not be all your family, but this is part of your family. We're here in this together, aren't we? This isn't like a spectator thing. This is we're in it together. And I believe that God has planted us in this family to help us be transformed more and more like Jesus. And we have a role to play in each other's life. 
Ephesians 4, verse 13 to 15 says this, until we all reach, so he's talked about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, equipping God's people for the work of the ministry, right? There's a responsibility there. But then he goes on to say this, until we all reach unity in the, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, that knowledge is experiential, right? That knowledge is firsthand. It's not just getting fat heads, but it's actually obeying actually walking with the Lord, actually becoming more and more like Jesus as we surrender and yield and trust him. I lost my place. Okay, where are we at? Here we go. Until we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, does that sound like I'm just forgiven? I don't think so. I am forgiven. But would you agree we're forgiven and in God's hand in a process of transformation, and he's making us more and more like Jesus, and he's put us in a family to where we can do that together. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, listen to this, this is powerful, this is good news, guys, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Does that sound like just forgiven? I think that sounds like God has high expectations for us. He's excited. He's not saying try harder, jump higher. He's saying, I know what I can do with you. If you'll just trust me, I stand at the door and knock. Remember that, Revelation 3? Who was that written to? We use it for non-believers, but thank you. It was written to the church. Those were letters to the seven churches. He's saying, Christian, hello. <laughs> Can I come in? <laughs> we're like, I don't know. <laughs> Let me put some stuff away first. <laughs> but he said, I want to come in. Let me do it. He's like a, a general contractor who loves doing stuff. Have you guys realized sometimes with contracting and renos, it gets worse before it gets better? Have you noticed that? Like HGTV, if you watch, you know, Fixer Upper or some of those shows. It's amazing, right? They like start like, oh, we discovered mold. We have to like raise the house pretty much to the ground, bring in these beans. I don't know, it just miraculously happens. But you're never worried, are you? Are you worried when you watch those shows? I mean, I know they try to make it exciting. Oh no, three days to go until the big reveal. Oh, the family, the mom is coming from Canada. You know, it has to be done. They try to like make it up, but do you ever really wonder? It's like, no, it's gonna be great. They're gonna be like, back in the day, move that bus. And it's gonna be like, you know, the light of the angel singing. I think that's what God feels about us. He's like, guys, I'm never in doubt of my own power. I'm never in doubt of my word. I'm never in doubt of my commitment to you to, to work on you like the potter works that clay. And even if he has to break it and, and do it over again, he, he, he loves us and he's committed to us. And he's put us in a family where we can be in this thing together. I want to show you one more thing. That graphic, if you can pull up that little Joe Harry window. And then uh, we're just going to give you a chance real quick to practice one of the things that we do to help each other transform is uh, celebrate our Ebenezers together. The, the this far God has brought me. And sometimes those are little testimonies. Hey, I'm not all the way at the top of the hill, but I'm, I took a step. God brought me one more step. Sometimes we're like, eh, I'll wait to share my testimony until it's like, no, God's saying, you know, it's good to share it even when it's a baby miracle. 
So we're going to be thinking about the word of your testimony. If there's something that you could even share that's a part of your story, how God is beginning or being faithful. But I want to show you this real quick. For those nerds in the room, any nerds in the room? Okay, this is called the Joe Harry window. Have you heard of this? It really is. It's two like sociologists or something. One's like something Joe and one was like Harry. So I don't know. Anyway, they combined it. It's called the Joe Harry window. But basically it's like there are four parts of our personality. Open is what we know, know to self. I know this about myself and other people know this about me, right? For example, I'm a ridiculously good looking guy, right? Like that would be an example for me. You find your own example. But I'm, for me, like, oh yeah, I know it. Other people know. Okay, just messing. But okay, I, I can tend to talk too fast in public speaking. Better? Okay. You know it. I know it. I'm still having a hard time changing it, but it's an open area. Blind area, what? You know, I don't know, right? Areas that's like, okay, I'm not self-aware in that particular area. So it's not known to self, but it is known to others. What about this one? Hidden, I know about myself, about my story, about my hurts, about my past, about my sin, about whatever, but you don't. So that's known to me, but hidden to others. And then unknown is the stuff that only God knows, right? Here's what happens, guys. We're part of the family. When we get feedback from other people, when we open ourselves up, and other people can say, hey, DJ, you can tend to go long, or you talk too fast in messages, and we want to go home, we want to eat a hot dog. Let people go. If we actually hear that feedback, it can like help take that blind and make that blind spot smaller. Right, babe? Letting people go early to get a hot dog when I want to go really, really long in a sermon, it's a blind area, but with communication and feedback, it gets, that area gets smaller because it's something I'm aware of and I can be asking the Lord to help me. Does that make sense? What about this? When we share disclosure, when we share with someone else something and I trust someone, I'm not saying share with everybody and blab it, but when there's someone that you feel is trustworthy, that you feel like the Lord's like, hey, it's, it's okay, it's safe, and I share something of my story, all of a sudden now that person knows that and less of me is hidden. Does that make sense? And more of me is open, at least in that relationship. So just kind of whatever, take a picture of that. I don't want to spend any more time on it. But that's part of the privilege that we have in the family of God is to working together, we can increase the areas of openness where we know that we are known, we know we're loved, we know we can be our truest self. We don't have to hide or pretend and we're embraced by the Lord and by his family. And that's part of our transformation. It's part of his promise. So real quickly, if we have microphones, let's just take a couple of minutes. Let's take five minutes total uh, till 20 till. Um, part of, of what we do in families is dig out the gold in each other, right? And part of what we do is, is um, help each other with those blind spots. This is not, I'm not gonna say, hey, call out somebody right now in front of everybody and, you know, unless it's me. But the other part is celebrating our Ebenezers, right? This far, God has brought me. And something in our teaching team that keeps coming up over and over is the power of testimony, the power of just sharing, no matter how small, something God is doing, because guess what? That starts spreading. It's viral. Faith starts sparking in us, not just what God has done with me, but if I hear what God has done in you, something happens, and it builds my expectation for my own story, my own transformation. So who has something that you can share of something that God has been faithful recently, not like 50 years ago, but like, yes, Jordan. I mean, say your name, sir. Hi, I'm Jordan, I'm the person in the room. Um, uh, 
No, just happened last night, and uh, the kicker was this morning. Um, you know, it started to happen during Instay. Uh, God has just like been healing me like crazy, finding a bunch of scar tissue, and then um, I'm going to try to be concise. Otherwise, we'll be here all weekend. <laughs> um, but uh, he's like, exercise this and work scar tissue out. And then the stress and strain and trauma that comes out of that scar tissue is just so hard. And then in therapy, they're like, all right, in order to get through this, you got to find your inner child. I'm like, shut up. I just want to, you know, you know, like get healed, you know. So the strain and, and, and the mental strain that comes with the physical healing that God's putting me through has been so hard. I mean, so hard. And, I, you know, uh, tears and agony and all that stuff, right? Um, and just yesterday, we had a huge breakthrough um, in therapy where – we actually found the little fella inside of me because the inner child is where, you know, the emotions and the play and the life happens, right? And we finally found the little fella, right? And we found it in a very undignified place of me. <laughs> and as we found it, all the injuries, the head injury, the shoulder injury, the back injury, the, um, all that stuff just went energy and all this stuff was dumping out of me, right? Tears, all kinds of stuff, right? Got to praise Jesus the entire time. And I should have woken up exhausted. And I only got like seven hours of sleep last night. It was awesome. Um, just the energy was just pouring out of me. And I got in two car accidents yesterday. I should have been totally messed up today. Um, but we found what God has been trying to, he's been healing me, but there's, there's the counterbalance of find this so this can happen, right? And you've known what's been going on with me. Um, but here's the kicker. Here's the total kicker. So we found this inner child that, that knows how to play and get through things, right, and knows how to live. I wake up this morning to do my Bible reading, open up my Bible. I just happen to be at um, Matthew 8-2. I say, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in kingdom, or like, like, just a coincidence. Yeah. Anyway. That's that, so that's great. Thank you for sharing that, man. And God just like wanting to make sure, Jordan, you knew like, hey, I'm at work. And that verse, bam, exactly what he's doing. That's so cool. Thank you for trusting us and share that. Somebody, yes, Rosanna. Um, my name's Rosanna. Um, just, it was a big deal to me. I used to go to the gym all the time when I was married and I just played racquetball every day and stuff like that. And then I messed up my knees and all that stuff. But anyway, I finally got back to the gym. And when I joined the gym, so I go to the rec center and then uh, the, what is it? Um, Planet Fitness, because I could go whenever I want. And uh, But I wanted, <laughs> when I signed up, I like wanted the guy to be proud of me, you know? Like, man, it took me a long time to get back here. And, you know, and he was like, Looking at me like, you know, I don't care. I just wanted him to say, oh, well, I'm proud of you or something. So anyway, um, my, my grandkids are proud of me. And I've almost gone 30 days in a row. But I, wow. I didn't go 30 days in a row because I was too tired. But I've made a point of going almost 30 days in a row. So that's, that's something big for me. That's huge. Man. Yeah. Celebrate. <laughs> Celebrate that with you, Rosanna. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Somebody else? shy because there's little baby miracles that when we give God glory it just again you don't know who's going to be encouraged by that 
Yes. Up in the front. Um, uh, this last week, um, I went through some hard stuff, and um, one of my friends, it's actually my parents' neighbor of 42 years, so she knew me when I was 10. And um, anyway, we went back home to South Dakota to visit her, and she's dying of stage 4 cancer. So um, just talking to her was really, really, really good that we made it home because now she's not even cognitive anymore and they think she's going to pass away um, anytime soon. But I keep recognizing um, after I went to visit her, I, I kind of went into a funk for a little bit. And I, I was asking the Lord this week, I was like, what is it that bothers me so much? You know, not just the normal just grieving, but it's like really deep inside like internal pain and um it and so i just kind of go into this depression for a few days and then i started reading this book and had no idea this lady just cracks me up but i started reading this book and i just every page i was just crying through every page it was like i was reading my life like seriously and um she talked about rejection and I thought I had dealt with this because I think it's been the counseling for quite a while. But it was amazing. Like there's just different areas that God heals, but then there's other areas that are still not healed. And, you know, God's so good and kind and he, he doesn't push you into any of that. But I just realized there was another area. He was like, let's unveil this area, you know, and work on this and work on the rejection. And um, it was so funny because she talks about this lady at the gym who hates her. <laughs> in the book and she goes but it was a preconceived idea because she was on the elliptical and you know going on the elliptical and this lady's doing really great and then she gets on her phone and she was talking really loud and so ever since that whole thing that lady gave her the side eye kind of like irritated she thought this lady hated her and so she went to the gym thinking oh this lady hates me like hates my guts and to find out she doesn't even hate her and she doesn't even think about her at all but it's like these preconceived ideas that you get when you've been dealt with rejection and you've dealt with abuse when you're younger or whatever and um you carry that you know and how you perceive the lord and and everything and how you receive him as father even um and her only desire was that um to always keep her dad happy so that he would never leave them and then he finally ended up leaving the family and it devastated her you know as a child and so I could totally relate because I never had a father. And so um, just that emptiness and that rejection of, like, why would someone ever leave me? So there must be something wrong with me, you know? And so just dealing with that was super intense this week. And God was just so faithful. I was like, Lord, I can't sit and deal with this for years and years and years. Like, you know, because I've been through therapy and things, and it's taken a long time. But I'm like, I just can you do this quicker? <laughs> like, you know, I see my little line, my goal of how I want to reach it. And, and, and then you showed that little graph. It kind of brought me a little trauma. I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's traumatic. I've been down the, that road, you know? So I was like, Lord, please. But it was like, he really just, I really processed through and came to a place of peace within a week. It was like so good. So that is really awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's a, it's a collaboration, isn't it, with us and the Lord of just, you know, he's inviting, he's offering, he wants to be neck deep in it with us, he's already spoken his word, 
He's already called us and promised us. And, you know, we have that opportunity every day to go, Lord, what do we allow him to do in us?